Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. We're up to episode number 94, Neil. Yeah, we're cruising on the 100, Tom. Cruising into 100. Yes, we are. It's yep. a beautiful day here in Michigan. How about in uh, Illinois? It's uh, it's sunny. It's 45, but it's going to be 60 tomorrow, they say. 60. Yeah, Can't believe that's it. amazing. Yeah. Well, that's all right. We're going to go to, okay, of course, you can reach us at Punk Till I Die podcast, or Punk Till I Die 77 at Gmail. And join our and, Facebook group. Our Facebook yeah, group is kicking. Yeah, we're doing a cool Facebook group where we can kind of give each other a hard time and show pictures of our records and stuff, too. So, yeah, check that out, too. That's, that's going to be fun. We're still kind of working on growing that. Neil and I are not. We're old, and we don't really know much about technology, so these things hey, grow very slow. speak for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know about technology, but when it comes to Facebook, you're like a like a caveman trying to make a wheel out of a rock. And a <laughs> well, that's Facebook, or though, something. man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're actually going to set aside the podcast wars at least for at least for now. Hope everybody enjoyed number was it ninety ninety two? Nine, well, ninety two. Yeah, ninety two. Yeah, yeah, where we waged war. I hope everybody enjoyed that. But we're gonna yeah we're gonna set our petty differences aside right now, and we're actually gonna go to a land where the sun almost always shines. I think. Yes. Sunny California. Yep. We have with us today the singer for a band called Infirmities, a kind of a punk hardcore band from California. We have their singer. His name is Jason Anselmo Martinez, or better known in the punk rock world as Jay Hawk. How you doing, Jay? Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing hey, good. good, man. Doing good, thanks. I bet, not, bet the weather isn't here isn't as good as it is by you, right? Yeah, it's a nice sunny day today. I, I can't complain about that. So. Especially, especially behind the windshield of your office, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. bacon. Yeah. So, yes. so I always, you know, whenever whenever we talk to somebody from California, now it's, you you were from Salinas, California, right? Correct. Yeah, we're from uh, the bands from from the streets of Salinas, California, and I was born and raised here, so it's my hometown. So, so, so can you for for those of us who don't really know California well, and especially we got a lot of British listeners and stuff, where where is that north? You know, what, what part of California are you in? So Salinas, California, uh, is nicknamed the Central Coast, and I'm in a pretty much an, an agricultural uh, part of the world uh, that's nicknamed the Salad Bowl of the war- of the world, basically, because we we grow lettuce here. We grow there's a lot of produce around me, so all the lettuce you get in California and it gets sent and shipped all over the world comes from Salinas. Uh, and also the garlic capital of the world is close by the tomato capital of the world and the artichoke capital of the world is all in a couple towns next to me. So a lot lot of produce comes from my hometown. So Salinas is known for that. And, um, you keep your your artichokes, dude, but where is the, uh, as far as. As far as north south, I mean, what do you? I mean, we're, we're, you're L.A. or San Francisco? It, no, 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 no. We're definitely closer to the bay. So Salinas is about two hours from San Francisco. I'm only one hour from about forty minutes only from Santa Cruz. Okay. Uh, I'm about thirty minutes from Monterey, and yeah, so I'm pretty much in the middle of a lot of cities. You know, I could be somewhere in an hour, completely different spot. But Salinas is like a nice central spot where we still have the ocean breeze from the bay, you know, and, uh, yeah, we're pretty much in the middle of California, sort of, in, in terms of, like, north and south, you know. That's, that sounds perfect, uh, man. That sounds perfect. It does. Yeah. It sounds pretty yeah. nice. It does. Yeah. So, so you grew up in a musical family. It was you, – you sent us a real lengthy bio, and I'm actually I, – I was I, – I haven't I haven't poured through it all recently, but I know you, you grew up in a musical family, right? Like, your dad was a musician? Correct. Yeah. So 
my, I grew up in a family where, you know, dad played in bands pretty much since I was a baby, even before I was born. Uh, he was in a punk rock band uh, back in 1974. Uh, and so, you know, I, I that, you know, Papa was a punk before I was. So gotcha. uh, basically when when I when I got into punk rock more at about the age of 10 or 11 is around the same time I was skateboarding as a kid and and you know one of my best friends turned me on to Sex Pistols record and that was it you know that first sound of punk rock going through the speakers it was kind of like uh, it, and it tied in well with skateboarding you know what I mean sure. definitely yeah yeah and so uh, uh, but yeah I grew up in a musical family where dad um, dad always played in bands uh, and was always doing shows and so uh, art and music were a big thing in my life. So I do I do graphic design for a living, mm. and and I do music as as the other parts. So it's all art and music, uh, but but it's different different generations too. Like you know, my my grandfather also did music. So there's four generations of music: my grandfather, my dad, me, and now my daughter. Huh. So, so yeah. was, was your dad in any bands we might have heard of or anything like that? Um, no, um, some of his first bands in the seventies, there, there was, there was one, it was one word, but they were called God devil. And there was another one called red sun. And then he went on to form reggae bands. It was like the first reggae band in our area of Salinas back in like 1981, 82. There was a song, there was a band called battle cry later turned their name to catch a beat. So yeah, my dad just gone on and on. Now he actually does Latin rock. So he's gone from punk rock to reggae to Latin rock. So now he's a lead singer of the Chicano All-Stars, which play with a lot of Santana-type groups like car show events and big events like that. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's it's funny because, you know, reading about – of course, you're not really that close to L.A., but, you know, that L.A. scene, a lot of the early punk rockers were Latinos, uh, you know, and you read that X book, you know, and, of course, like the Los Lobos guys and all those. That's why I was like, man, hopefully this guy's dad was in Los Lobos or something, but no no such luck, huh? That's right. Actually, he's friends with the guys in Los Lobos because they used to come through this part of California. And so he became friends with them like back in the eighties. And my dad was originally scheduled to be in the La Bamba movie. He was supposed to play the guy that the, the band that Richie joins and, uh, you know, gets kicked out of or whatever. Yeah. So my, my dad would have been the guy leading the band that sings Charlena. Uh, but he couldn't get out. Yeah. He couldn't get out of work though. Cause he had to get (laughs) out of work. Like I think for, he had to be gone for like a week and a half. And his boss said no to it, and he, he had no idea at the time that the movie was going to be huge. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I remember you know taking Spanish class like in high school or junior high. Like everybody had to watch that movie. That was like <laughs> mandatory watching, like high school Spanish class. Yeah. <laughs> so so how long have you been? So how long have you been playing punk rock then? Um, I've been doing punk rock now for a a total of uh, twenty eight years. Wow. Uh, and before that. I actually did. It's a total of 30 years. I've been uh, writing my own music, my own songs and performing. Uh, But I don't count the first two years as punk rock because I actually started uh, actually started in hip hop when I was really young. I was writing. I was writing. uh, Pretty much it was conscious, conscious hip hop. You know, I was real influenced by people like Public Enemy and uh, KRS-One. 
uh, people that were rapping about, you know, positive, different types of messages. And so I was I was really into that from a young age. And I wanted to to do that in the hip hop world. But then I did that for two years. I performed. I opened for like Kid Frost and Lighter Shade of Brown. So I was part of that around that, that era, that time. Uh, there was a whole like, I guess, Chicano rap mu- uh, movement going on in, in that era. And I got to open for a lot of those rappers at that oh. time. Uh, but I got out of it only because my cousin David played guitar. And he was always into metal and punk rock. And my first love was punk rock. So I was like, you know what? Um, it'd be so much easier if I had a band instead of trying to make beats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. so one day we're, we're jamming in the garage. And, it, and that was my first punk rock band. I was about 15. That's so, funny. I, I don't think it'll shock you to real to know that Neil and I missed the uh, Chicano hip hop uh, re- revolution. <laughs> Definitely not on our radar. So, so, dude, how old of a guy of a guy are you? Do you mind you mind us asking? I mean, you're not a woman, right? You don't care about no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, it's a, you know, it's it's a reality. Um, <laughs> it's a, I'm 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 I'll be, I'm I'm actually 43 right now. So oh, you're younger than we are, dude. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm yeah. I say I'm almost 48. Neil's 58. You're still a pup. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was, like I'm, I said, I'm just doing I, the math in my head. I'm like, man, he's been doing music for 30 years. He, I mean, they well, started, but you, you got to remember, I, I started rapping at age 12 and I was performing already. I did, I did some statewide uh, conferences and full of thousands of people at the age of 12. And then by 15, I had my first punk band. So from 15 to 43, you do the math and yeah. there you go. So let's, let's <laughs> tell you what, let's, let's, Let's throw a song in there, and what uh, what song do you uh, want to do first? Your songs, so your songs are super short. Yeah, uh, we, we can we can kick it off with the final conviction. It's off of our our first EP that we released. Okay, so this is the final conviction in Fermities. <laughs> Final conviction by infirmities. Yeah. It's funny. So I'm kind of struck by the fact that even from a young age, you 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 never had a confidence problem. No, I I think, you know, I I'm one of those people that kind of believes like I mean when it comes to graphic design, 
Um, you know, you either have the eye for something like that with graphic design. I, I believe you, you have the eye for something, like you're born with it, or or you don't have it. Like, you can go to college and learn graphic design, but... Right. No, I agree. Don't not, it, yeah, I agree. It's not and the music, same thing. So music is the same thing. Either you have it or you don't. And you can, yeah. But you can always cultivate it, right? I mean, you can work on it. You can build it. Of course. Of course. Anybody can be trained to learn a craft or something like that. But I think in, in terms of art and music... Uh, it definitely was in my blood, and it already was something that was in my family. So it, I, I felt like I was like born into it. it. It just was like a pretty natural thing to get into. Uh, dad, dad was an artist too. I mean, he used to draw all the time with me as a kid. I mean, my huh. first drawings were like Batman and Spider Man and Frankenstein. Sure. And we'd, we'd be drawing on the kitchen table, and you sure. know, mom, mom would get mad at us and stuff. And so, yeah, it was all natural, you know. So, so you have that, you know, there's that, the, I always, you know, Neil and I have talked about this before. I think for a band to have success, you have to have, you know, somebody has to have kind of the musical vision, but there also has to be somebody who sort of has that ability to be a, a shameless self-promoter, you know? And I think a lot of musicians struggle with that aspect of it, you know? And and it's clear to me that you are, you know, you're, you're you know, you are out there busting the, you know, pounding the pavement, doing the work to get your to get your band out there i appreciate that fact so what how long has the infirmities actually been around and the infirmities have been a band now for eight years um some of the songs that that we do uh i would say about maybe three of our songs were actually from uh my very first punk band and so they go all the way back to being written when i was like 15 16 years old um and what was the name of that band uh, my very first punk band, we were called Tribal D for short, but it was Tribal Dimension. And uh, we, like I said, I was I was a kid. When we did you that. did you guys did you guys record or are you pretty much just like a live band? We were pretty much a live band. We did record a little bit. My dad had a recording studio growing up in the house, so mm. there's there's recordings of me singing like when I was eight years old, <laughs> like singing like Soul Man and <laughs> La Bamba. covers La Bamba. Songs, you know? yeah exactly. or was that band in the house yeah. <laughs> your dad didn't want to hear it yeah yeah exactly you know, so i mean and dad put all the instruments in front of me as a kid because my dad plays guitar he plays drums and he's also the lead singer of, of his own bands so he always put instruments in front of me but i always just wanted to be the singer of a band and so uh at first i think my dad was kind of discouraged because i didn't want to learn guitar or drums or anything <laughs> And um, but naturally, he started to realize that, you know, I really wanted to be a front man since I was a kid. So it just so you're the like you're like the rare punk rocker whose parents actually supported you. And your music isn't strictly based on the fact that you're angry at your parents. huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I hear that all the time, you know, how, you know, their parents were against it. And yeah, I'm one of those rare cases, too, where, you know, I, I actually had a mom and dad, you know, I mean, sure. I have a lot of punk rockers. You know, you hear the other common story. You know, dad was never around or yeah, or broken home, broken home. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, my brother and I played music when I was younger, and you know, I played guitar and sang, and my brother played drums, and like we we had to wait for mom and dad to leave before we could practice. Yeah, because it's like turn that down, you know, definitely. And they weren't exactly not supportive, but they weren't really, uh, you know, it wasn't. They didn't want to hear it. They weren't yeah. coming to. Our, they weren't coming to our shows or anything. Like the minor threat song, I don't want to hear it. That was him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you you actually, man, Neil, what do we want? We, there's a lot of infirmities things we want to ask him about, but because you you so you played a rebellion, 
is which is another festival that we've been kind of Neil being from England, he tries to go back and visit every year. And, and we have some people that we're real friendly with who tell us this is the greatest thing ever. So how did you guys end up playing rebellion? Well, we were, we were sort of on their radar only because, uh, you know, like you said, uh, shameless self-promotion. I had actually, <laughs> sure. I, I had been emailing Rebellion for, for, I believe, like two years, three years straight. We were finally. They're just like they're like fine. Just come over. Just stop emailing. <laughs> yeah, just leave us alone. <laughs> and if you bug someone enough, they, you know, they start to realize, okay, these guys really want to play here. But, but what happened was too is it was a lifelong dream for me to be able to go overseas and take our music to the UK growing up listening to a lot of UK punk rock. And so uh, I sent them the song we just played, The Final Conviction. And that one caught the attention of the main director there. And he said, you know, I really like what I hear. Uh, Let's talk about getting you guys on. Well, he teased me that whole year. I mean, I thought we were going to get it, but I never saw our name pop onto the flyer. Mm -hmm. So sure enough we didn't get it. he said i'm sorry it was full and i couldn't add you and I, so then i kept bugging him and the following year would be 2018 and uh right when they started booking bands i said hey don't forget about me you said next year <laughs> so because i was really really trying to get us to go overseas we had never done it before and it was a it was like i said lifelong dream and uh what actually helped is uh, by that time we we had a booking agent and our booking agent uh, is uh, Cover Booking, and his name's Landon. And he was the same agent that was in charge of booking bands like TSOL and Dead Kennedys mm. and uh, Guttermouth. So since we became on, we were on his roster when he pretty much sold TSOL to Rebellion, he also brought up Infirmities. And then he's like, oh, that's that guy that's been emailing me for years. You know, oh, that's he's cool. like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, he's like do, yeah. do you think, you know, so they had just, basically put a contract out for tsol and he said hey can you do me a favor uh we have another band on here called infirm he said oh i know that guy he's like yeah we'll add him this year so that's we we were confirmed at that point and we got the letter i'll never forget getting the email letter because uh you know inviting us to come perform at rebellion i showed my wife and <laughs> she's like congratulations i know you've wanted this for a long time and i said well i'm not going by myself you're coming with me we're all going she's like well we can't afford that you know so that became a whole nother thing as i took my wife and daughter on tour nice. with us. so that was 2019 was that or 2018 no that that was 2018 we played two years of rebellion we played the first time in 2018 okay we were on the introducing stage which is the smallest stage everyone starts at the bottom mm-hmm. sure. and so the first time bands is, is the introducing stage i brought my daughter on stage because at the last second when we were there live, she was all excited to be at Rebellion because we talked about it through the whole tour. We were on tour for two weeks out there. And did you did you tour with TSOL? No, but we did do a show with them in London. Okay. Uh, did you uh, tour with somebody else or did you just headline? No, we just went on our own. Okay. Um, once again, uh, and it was a situation where uh, it was harder than booking shows in California. I'll tell you that. I bet, <laughs> so, yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. It, I'm, I'm sure it was, it's it's always interesting because you know you're you're the band from the U.S. and and they are interested in you, but at, at the same time you're trying to book a tour around the most packed festival of the year. So, so a lot a lot of venues and bars are like you know there's no point in putting you here on another night because everybody's at rebellion. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so it, it's a tough struggle. And I didn't know anybody as far as the clubs went. 
It took me six months. I would say it took me about six months to book a two-week-long tour. So we had 10 dates. Hmm. Now, where about, whereabouts did you play? Was it just in England or did you play other places in Europe? Too? Oh, no. Oh, no. We, we, uh, you know, we took the ferry across. So we, we started in England and we performed in, uh, let's see, we, we were in Wales, uh, southern Wales. When uh, Cardiff we did, or something? Yeah, close to the Cardiff. Yeah. And uh, we played, uh, let's see, where else? Oh, yeah, uh, Brighton. We were okay. in Brighton. Excellent. Yeah, and we did uh, as far as far as other places, we ended up going to Belgium. We performed in Liège, uh, mm -hmm. Belgium. Yeah, yeah. We, and we performed in Germany. Uh, we we performed in very close to the Berlin Wall. We were literally walking distance. We performed at the oldest squat hmm. there in Europe, which is called uh, the Kopi Kopi One Thirty Seven, and uh, yeah. So we pretty much did, and we did two shows in London on the first tour. So we had one with TSOL on channel three. And then we had another date where it was, it was our own date when we were leaving the UK. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and, and then how was, uh, how was playing rebellion itself in Blackpool? Was it, was it fun? Did the, did the crowd it was, react well? The, it was amazing because, you know, once again, just, you know, just a totally different environment, you know, and so many punk rockers around. I tell people playing rebellion is like playing, you know, it's like a, a grown up version, like punk rock Disneyland for grown up. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. you walk around and there's, you know, millions of punk rockers walking around and we're all enjoying all these bands. And there's four days of nonstop great music. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, we, what, what made it the best for us, though, is the surprise that my daughter, going back to that story, we're about to go on stage and my daughter tells me, Daddy, I want to sing with you. And I was like, all right, you know, we've come this far. I don't see why not. I mean, let's try it. She she had actually never sang on the mic until Rebellion. Hmm. So this is a really like we didn't rehearse it. We didn't practice it. It was spontaneous. And so I told the sound man, turn your microphone on. Because she used to always run around the stage with me. And she liked to mimic my moves, which was really cute because she was about four years old. Ah. <laughs> uh, and so here's this little punk rock girl running around the stage. And sometimes she'd have a mic, but it was never plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> so this time I, I told the guy, you know what? Honestly, it was the end of the tour. We had done a bunch of dates. I said, what's the worst thing can happen? Turn her mic on. Go for it. I said, but you might have to kind of monitor her. You know, I don't know how loud she's going to sing. I don't know what she's going to do. So I just asked the salmon as a favor. I said, you know, kind of watch your mic, you know, because I don't know what's going to happen. So we went up there and. I was blown away. I was floored because she knew all the words to my songs from singing in the car with dad uh, back home, which I didn't even realize that. Sometimes you don't realize your kids uh, know, you know, your own music that well. Yeah, they're like sponges sometimes, right? Yeah. And at that, at that age, she was only five years old. So she was five. She went up there and, I mean, the cameras went nuts. You know, yeah. there was a bunch of people taking pictures of this little girl, my daughter up there rocking the microphone and the crowd reaction was crazy we had the place going and so right when we got off the stage the main director rebellion comes up to me and says hey we got to have you back next year on the main stage oh that's nice. awesome yeah so yeah. so, the, so we came back in 2019 and we shared the huge stage with descendants and flipper and uh my daughter rocked it again <laughs> the big stage, so. it's so so it's funny because you must get like a half hour right am i what 
you get like a half hour? How how long do you usually get for something like that? Yeah, we get we get about yeah about thirty minutes, half an hour. Play like twenty five songs. <laughs> yeah, Infirmity's set consists of twenty eight songs in thirty minutes. Wow, nice. Yeah. But so, but we connect them, you know. There's not yeah, much sure, just kind of run through them. So mm-hmm. so you also said, and we were talking about this before we started. And I, you you were saying you were hoping to play punk rock bowling. Now, had you have you done punk rock, punk rock bowling, or were you just hoping to? Well, we we haven't. Uh, we were officially put on punk rock bowling for 2020. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I but as of as you guys know, every festival in the world was pretty much canceled yep. for 2020. So we were actually officially added to perform uh, one of the one of the shows. Uh, what do they call those official club shows? Oh, the after show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were on an official club show with the unseen uh, Starving Wolves and Doom. Oh, so Wolves, wow, right? pretty yeah, Doom, yeah. Oh. Yeah, Doom. That was would have been an interesting show for sure. So uh, a nice combination of bands, and yeah. of course, you know, we all know what happened with with sure. uh, coronavirus year. So we don't we don't need to go over that. We, sure. we know we know. Yeah, we're we all, we're sick everything. of talking about it too, dude. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. So we missed a lot of shows. Yeah. So we had a lot going on. We were also working on a tour of going to Japan with Channel Three, and we were going to go yeah. to Japan and do Hawaii with Channel Three together. And 2020 came, and just you know everything stopped. Mm. Yeah. We were you supposed to play Rebellion again last year, or were you, you giving it a year off that year? We were going to give Rebellion a year off, mm-hmm. and we were going to focus on Japan because we had gone overseas two years in a row, and and for two summers in a row we we did the whole UK and Europe. Yeah. Um, this in, in 2019 we did more of Europe than before, and uh, 2019 we hit more parts of England. We played in Kendal uh we as far as overseas we we did uh potsdam germany we did uh gent belgium and mm-hmm. we played in paris france so we hadn't done france till 2019 mm. we did two shows in france one in paris france and one in uh gosh i can remember the other one right this second but yeah we did two dates in france now did huh. you did you play anywhere uh up north did you play like liverpool or manchester or anything uh no we played in Birmingham okay played Birmingham uh, okay. but yeah but we haven't done uh not Manchester or Liverpool we were actually scheduled to play the first year but it it, it kind of fell through okay uh, mm. and there's not actually not that many um venues for punk rock in Liverpool no, there's there actually it's more geared for like Beatles type bands yeah it is <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's not that far no. from Blackpool anyway is it Neil I mean no, Liverpool's uh, not that far uh, from Blackpool. It, it's it's so funny because I mean you know um Jayhawk living in California knows. I mean, he wouldn't, you know, he 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 wouldn't even blink at driving two hours. But people in England, man, if you if you if you told them to drive to Manchester from Liverpool, they'd look at you like you were mental. You know, they they think it's the end <laughs> yeah. of the earth, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. When, when we go back eventually, you know, we do plan to go back eventually, and we plan to hit Leeds, Liverpool, uh, Manchester, uh, Brixton. So we plan to play it a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Our goal is to keep doing different parts of the uk yeah you know definitely yeah i could see that yeah i'm actually hoping to go to rebellion uh this year hopefully that goes that goes ahead because it'll be my first time there because i've always missed it for some reason there's always been something that's because i try try to get home every year but there's always been something that's that's like weather weather's weather's better in vegas buddy the weather's better (laughs) in vegas uh yeah especially Uh, yeah yeah for sure all right let's 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 stick another song in what song what song am i play next jay 
let's see. Uh, let's let's play another track here. This one's called Myself Rex. It was actually written back when I was about 15 years old. When I used to, I didn't have a car, and I used to take the the the, the local uh, Monterey Salinas Transit bus to get everywhere. And the, the song was written when I was a kid, and I remember dyeing my mohawk purple, and it was like dripping down the sides of my my head in the bus and everybody was kind of staring at me like this weird freak in the bus and so i wrote this song about basically like being on a train and how people i don't know it was just it's just a trippy song it was written when i was a kid and we still perform it now and the crowd loves it so it's just called myself rex okay there we go infirmities with myself rex Myself Rex. That's a, that's a good story, man. I like that one. So, uh, is, are these so the two songs you've played so far? Are they off um, something that people can buy? Yeah, Myself Rex and the Final Conviction uh, are both available on our first EP we released back in uh, 2013. Uh, it's on Malt Soda Records. You can still go buy the vinyl. It's available in four different colors: turquoise, red, white, and black. So you go to maltsoda.com, it's still there. It's our first EP called The Faith and the Fury. Uh, it was recorded in Los Angeles and produced by uh, the drummer for Total Chaos, Miguel Conflict. So, so the so Maltsoda Records, it, that's the dude from Fang, right? The old, like, the, like the original guitar player from Fang's label? Am I, am I crazy about that? Um, you're, you're close in some reference there. It's been around for 20 years. Okay. So, um, this year marks 20 years for Malt Soda Records, okay. uh, and and some of our the bands the original home for this on this label would be uh, RKL. RKL released a record on there. Oh, Nardcore. Uh, 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 Fang Fang was on the label. Verbal Abuse, China White, uh, 
infirmities now and this year they just added conflict to the label so conflict's going to be releasing a, a new record on there uh we also have a uh, standard issue from la and yeah so it, it's just a good amount of of bands. Good punk stuff classic yeah. punk stuff what who so who is who does run the label then it's not the it's not the guitar player from fang who used to run like no actually his name's scooter buell scooter, okay i don't know and scooter uh I don't think he was ever in Fangs, for not what I know. <laughs> okay, no, I, I could be wrong. I just thought because you know the, yeah. the Fang, the guitar player from Fang used to have something called Boner Records for years, and they put out a bunch of stuff. And I noticed that Fang ended up going to. Uh, it doesn't matter. I I I might have connected some dots that weren't there. Yeah, it says it's out of Arizona. I don't know if that helps. Oh, out of Arizona. It says a Chandler, Arizona. Oh, it says yeah. Okay, forget it. I'm wrong. I I I, I sincerely apologize. To the listeners no, okay. who have put their faith in my knowing about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, go. but you're right. You're right. Fang was on Boner first, and then they went to Malt Soda later, and they released a different album on on Malt Soda. Okay. Uh, and, and Scooter used to live in the Bay Area where Fang was at, and so that's kind of how that came about. Okay. Gotcha. Um. So let's. It's a, so there's a movie in production about your band and life story. Yeah, so for about two years now, we've been two years in the production of it. And as you guys know, uh, making documentaries can take many years. You know, you could get up to four or five years if you want something sure. really solid. Uh, we don't really have a general time frame on where we're going to release this thing, but I, I can give out a few teasers with it. It's basically sure. uh, the name of the documentary is uh, Just a Kid from Salinas, which is what I am. And sure. it's basically my life story. Growing up, my family, my history, I take you back to the house I grew up in, you know, take you through Selena, show you the town. And and then it goes on to be the, the history and story of infirmities, you know, the whole the whole how it came about, the whole journey from coming from a small town uh, to going to Los Angeles and playing all over L.A., Las Vegas, uh, all over California and eventually overseas. Um, so it's, it's an interesting journey, but we've also got interviews in there with some people, uh, that, you know, uh, Jack Grissom is in there doing uh -huh, yes. interviews Love Jack. TSOL. He's, he's sharing some of the adventures we had together in London, some funny stories. Uh, we've also got, we also toured with HR bad brains. So we mm. have HR in a, in an interview there talking about our tour. We have agent orange telling stories. Ah, my call. And huh? uh, and we have Blag from um, the Dwarfs telling some stories. So so those are just some little teasers of some of the people you'll see, like any punk rock documentary. You know, you call up old friends and say, "Hey guys, you know, you want to get a little? Can you say a little something in this and mm -hmm. you know share?" So that's what we've been doing for two years. And there's a lot of live footage that has been shot in two years. Uh, so we definitely have enough live footage. I think we're focusing more on, I want it to feel like a, a very homegrown type documentary. There's an interview in there with my dad, with my mom. I mean, I want you to get a full feel of, of the roots of the band and, and where I came from. So um, I'm working together with Jeremy Mowry. He is an indie uh, punk rock uh, film director out of Los Angeles. He's won some awards already for some of his other short films and animation type oh. things type videos so so me and jeremy have been working on it for quite some time uh and it's been it's been a fun process it's a fun journey uh we're adding to it stuff 
dealing with 2020 right now you know that that brings me to my next my next topic which is our brand new song cell block earth which is uh definitely written about the times we're living in now so do you want to why don't we go ahead and so so you've already uh since we've mentioned it why don't we go ahead and play that so so this is just so this song was inspired specifically by the by the uh quarantine and all that kind of thing with 2020 yeah, basically, uh, Cell Block Earth was inspired by the whole lockdown process, the global lockdowns, you know, not just California, sure. even though, even though also, California was worse than a lot of places, definitely. Yeah, so obviously I'm in California, so we dealt with it in a different way. But, you know, when everything started uh, back in, you know, uh, March of 2020, we did our last show with Guttermouth on March 12th. And then the next day, every single club and venue was shut down the next morning. Hmm. Wow. And, and it was the reality of like, wow, this thing is very serious. Everything's closed. All the bars are closed. Everything was closed. So we, um, at that point in time, because we had a lot of shows booked and just like a lot of sad stories you hear from bands, um, we were seriously bummed because we're like, wow, is this going to go away? Is this going to stay? What, what? <laughs> so uh, when, when the, the whole isolation, this song is about uh, basically why I wrote this song, Cell Block Earth, why it came about. It, it was in the midst of uncertainty. You know, we, uh, as you guys know, you know, we slowly uh, seeped into our homes with the, the breaking news talking about all this stuff we're going through and uh it began to diminish our normal way of life sure uh, and people's dreams of tomorrow sort of became compromised because we couldn't really go anywhere you know everything was closed or shut down and um it's a song about how in 2020 the passions of time seem much longer than normal mm-hmm. how how it, it slowly filled our minds with desolation long days of sleepless nights dragged into months of waiting for a better tomorrow and uh and yeah so basically that's what's about the song is called cell block earth it's our brand new single we also released a music video which you can find on our youtube channel and uh a couple little things this song also uh, has special guest uh vocalist in the gang chorus so we've got rob chaos the lead singer of total chaos is on the gang vocal and we have the lead singer of Union 13 in there. Uh, Edward Escoto is also joining us on the backup vocals. So excellent, cool. man. Thanks, thanks for the let's, thanks let's for the story on that one. Yeah. So this is uh, Infirmities with Cell Block Earth. Strict new lockdown has begun in the most populous U.S. state, California, as COVID-19 cases continue to surge across the country. More than half of California's 40 million residents are subject to a stay-at-home order. People are banned from meeting anyone from outside their household.
not, but it seems that the caretakers have made the decision for you. We're all locked in now. There, the new new single from uh, Infirmities, Cell Block Earth. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, you there. gotta love it. You gotta yeah. love it when explain the intro to the song is longer than the song itself. <laughs> well, there you go. You know. It's, yeah. It's yeah. So, so. Not to beleaguer the movie thing too much, but so so are you guys? I mean, are you financing it yourself, or is it is this something that you have? Do you have some backing on this, or is this kind of a totally self self done kind of a situation? It's totally been a DIY thing so far. Um, I do think at some point we're going to start looking into that now. Now that we have, you know, some punk rock. Uh, legendary folks up in here and we have enough to put together a trailer uh once we get to that stage of where that's done and uh i think we will start putting together something as far as looking for sponsors and stuff to be involved but so far it's been all diy i mean it's been uh and and a big you know a big shout out to jeremy maori because he he would drive everywhere and film everything on his own dime. I mean, this guy's a dedicated director, you know. Huh. He be- he believes that when this thing's done, it's all going to come back in the end. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, so another thing I found interesting, you have, you actually have like a lineup in the northern part of the state and a lineup in the southern part of the state. Is that did I read that right? Do you kind of have two different lineups of the band depending on where you're t- where you're touring or playing? yeah that that's actually a good story and it's 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 the reality so so going back on the history of the band we were originally formed in the streets of salinas california um as far as our style i think it's really what's helped set us apart from a lot of other uh punk rock bands is we have quite a blend going on so we bring a style of of early 80s you know reagan era hardcore uh, mixed with old school thrash and then our own brand of street punk. And so we, we bring you a little bit of that in 30 minutes. You're basically going through like a time machine, mm-hmm. uh, uh, going through the early 80s, you know, uh, early 90s. You know, there's a lot of different styles. And as far as the members go, we were originally formed, every single member was from my hometown when we first formed the band in Salinas, California. Um, But I had a real ambition and dream to want to take it to Los Angeles. And I wanted to be there every weekend. So when I started booking stuff out of town all the time and we'd be gone for weeks, uh, some of the original members bounced. (laughs) Because they're like, you know, we we love your ideas here, but we can't do this, man. Sure. We can't. We can't. It's not for. It's not for everybody. It's not. And the touring thing, you're. It's not for everybody. Some people are, are made to do that kind of thing and want to do it, and others will. You'll find, will just say, you know, I can't do this. So, but what they did do is the original guitar player was Art Ruiz, uh, who who's been a, a punk rock veteran in my hometown for like 30 years, and we've been best friends for about that long as well. And so what he said is, you know what, I can't tour. But you can bring me anybody and I'll train them on guitar and you take them on the road. Mm. So he didn't completely like leave like I'm leaving. It was more like, you know, I'm still a part of it, but I just can't commit to that part. So so he did. So I would bring a bunch of, uh, you know, a couple young bucks right out of high school and I <laughs> drop them off in his garage. I'm like, here, train with Destroyer. That was his nickname is Destroyer. I said, you know what? Have him teach you the riffs 
and when you're ready, we'll hit the road to L.A. We got like three dates in a couple months. And so that's that's kind of how it went. I would send it was like sending the Ninja Turtles to Master <laughs> Splinter. They would sit with Master Splinter and they would learn the arts. And then you send them out of the sewer. On tour. But then yeah. but what happened is when you take really young people on the road is they realize it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So they don't end up staying in the band either because they're like, man, this is hard. I thought it was just going to be fun and easy. Yeah, and they're like, I'm hungry. <laughs> so, so, I'm so, hungry. There's no money. Yeah. Yeah, there's no money. So, so eventually, that I learned that didn't work, and I ended up um, meeting somebody in Los Angeles uh, from East LA, and his name is uh, he goes by Harvey Rebellion. His real name is Harvey Barrera, and so basically, me and Harvey got really close. He was older than I was, but he understood the punk rock ethic of of you know getting into this thing. Uh, with the full heart and dedication and when he joined the band on the guitar he went three years solid never missed a show uh, and that was the first time I decided I needed to have an LA lineup and I needed to also have a, a Northern California San Francisco lineup well so, how, so how, I decided so just 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 so our listeners understand how far of a drive is it from Salinas to LA Salinas to LA you're looking at about five hours okay Yikes. yeah so it's not close right no, and then San Francisco about two, two okay. hours. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, but you can cover a lot in the northern part. Like we we can hit Sacramento, San Francisco, Oakland. Uh, you know, there's a lot in the north. You can yeah. do, yeah. So, the long story short, I decided a long time ago, it was too hard to get all these guys to travel in one van, and go all over the place. So I decided it's better if I just show up in L.A. And we rehearse the songs, and I have the guys that live in L.A. perform all the L.A. shows. Then I have the guys that live in the Bay Area uh, perform all the Bay Area shows. So a long time ago, I figured out if I want to perform like every single weekend and I want to be playing five days a week, I've got to make this thing work to where it's more of an infirmities army, not a band. It's more of it's basically I call it the infirmities army because they're all soldiers. And when they get my phone call and we go out for battle. (laughs) <laughs> they all they all know the songs mm-hmm. so they've all they've all been drilled you know they all know the material so they and do they no, practice they practice without you they practice on their own without me and then when i come to town with the vocals we run through it once and then we go hit the road you go to get it on well, so, yeah. which, so, so which version did you take to? Uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. When you want to go in, when you want to go to England, or you, or more, or even when you want to record. Yeah, how well, do that's, you, that's a good point. Yeah, how do you? I mean, the rebellion thing's probably like only half of them could probably make it anyway. I would assume. So you kind of take what you can get. But like when it's time to record, who do you? Who do you? How do you decide? Uh, yeah, what the lineup well, is. As far as the recording goes, the original guitarist who who wrote a, a good, you know, uh, I'd say still about 90 percent of the riffs that we play the original uh songwriter with me me and art ruiz uh i still use him yeah i use yeah master splinter here uh i (laughs) i still take master splinter in the studio so he's done all the studio stuff okay uh which is only fair being that he he wrote those riffs and 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 yeah makes sense um and so but he just like i said he doesn't tour so uh, there are now. There are uh, Harvey. On the other hand, our brand new single you just heard, that riff was written with me and Harvey. So he obviously went in to record that. So that's kind of how I base that in terms of recording. You know. So, 
Okay. So, like, if the if whatever guitar player you write with, that's the lineup you use for whatever. For that, for the studio of those songs. Yeah, okay, correct. gotcha. Yeah. How did how did it work with Rebellion? Rebellion was a very interesting scenario. Because... He has an English version of the band too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like well, Chuck Berry, you know. Like Chuck Berry used to is, just uh... tour in his car and just show up and play with a pickup band in whatever town he was in. Well, yeah, and I and I never I never knew there was a history of other people doing what I was doing. But when I would talk to other punk rock bands and tell them what I was doing, they were like, "That's nuts!" But it's also very cool and smart because yeah. They, they they have to turn down certain gigs because a guy can't make it, you know? Sure. I, I, I didn't ever want to turn down a gig. So one of the things with Infirmities was, hey, I got to, if someone calls for us to come play with whoever, I'm not going to say no. So I don't want to turn down anything. So I didn't. And I just kept it moving. As far as the UK went, it was a completely different scenario because some of my guys didn't have passports. And some of my guys could not travel there. Mm-hmm. So I had to take in uh, a different drummer who I had toured with from Uni 13. His name is David Marin. And his for- first experience with infirmities was going overseas with us. Now, we did rehearse in Los Angeles. He's also from L.A. Uh, the bass player I took to the U.K. had already gone internationally and played in other bands like in Russia and stuff like that. So I hit up my good friend of mine named Johnny Flores. Uh, uh, and so Johnny, because I knew he had already gone international, I knew he I could take him. Uh, I, I, anybody who couldn't go for whatever reason, it's like, well, I'm sorry, there's nothing I could do. If you can't get your passport, you can't go. It's just how it goes, right? Hmm. Uh, but we did run into a very strange scenario, which is kind of the highlight of this UK first tour story is... We hired a, a driver to drive us all around the UK the entire tour. Now, he is somebody who did this for a living in England, and his name is Ryan Price. He also plays in punk rock bands in the UK, uh, Fights for Fires, and uh, a couple other bands that he was in before that, uh, Salt Wombs from the UK. Anyways, basically, he was our driver. I wasn't going to try to drive us all around these parts on the sure. other side of the car. Backwards car, roads I don't know at all. Maybe the GPS won't work out there. I don't know. But I'm not about to go embark sure. on this for the first time and, and probably, you know, put my family and band members at risk. Yeah. So we <laughs> so <laughs> we hired Ryan and he was a professional and uh, he had driven around GBH and discharge and a bunch of bands. I said, Well, this guy's gonna know what's up. And he did. So and he would keep us on the clock. Hey guys, we got to get back in the van. We got to get to the gig. You can walk around for thirty minutes. Okay, guys, back in the van. We got to go. So you know he would keep us on a clock and time frame. We what the problem we ran into is when we got to the UK, when we got to the airport in London Heathrow, uh, our guitarist that we had brought to play that tour uh, was not let into the country. Oh no. Uh, he was thrown into this room of interrogation for like two hours and we were we we went to go get the rental equipment for the band during those two hours we came back to the airport and we're like he's still not out of that room so finally i have our driver from england say i go do me a favor i don't want to go ask 
the uh, you know the people at the airport about him because what if they send me into the room or something? <laughs> yeah, for like sure. That. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, we're safely here, but can you go ask? Because you actually have the British accent. <laughs> yeah, you're English. They want to question you. <laughs> yeah. So Ryan, can you go ask the guy behind the desk what's going on with our guitar? So he did, and they told him to pick up the red phone. So oh, there was a red phone. <laughs> Sounds on the dangerous. Wall. Isn't that the one that launches the nuclear? <laughs> yeah, I think box? So. <laughs> <laughs> so. So he picked up this red phone, and that actually puts him in contact with the room where our guitarist is being interrogated in there. And so basically, uh, they tell him uh, he's been denied entry into the country, and we're sending him back to Los Angeles. So oh, wow. he hangs up the phone. And he comes to me and he's like, I'm so sorry, mate. I'm so sorry. I have the worst <laughs> news. I don't know what to tell you, but your, your guitar player is getting sent back to L.A. I am so sorry. I've never seen this happen to a band. And I know you hired me to drive for these two weeks. And I said, Ryan, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You play guitar, right? He's all, <laughs> yes, mate. He's all, yes, mate. I have a Les Paul at my house. I have a Marshall amp at my, at my house. I go, let's get to your house. And we're teaching you the songs tonight. Oh, so that's, that's exactly what we did. So Ryan... <laughs> Ryan had to learn all the songs and literally that night he stayed up all night. We had to cancel our show in Liverpool. That's why we didn't get Liverpool because ah. right when we flew right when we flew in, we had a show that night in Liverpool. Yeah. But obviously he wasn't gonna learn that quickly. Right. So we, we had we had to cancel Liverpool, which 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 did hurt. I mean I, I we wanted to play it of course. So you just but, were you just playing with one guitar? Was it one guitar guitar based drums? That was it was that like a four piece? No, no, no. It was a full band. I mean, no, but but I mean, was there a second guitar? Was there another guitar player too? No, no, no. We always just had one guitar. Oh, okay, so. oh, I, okay. I didn't know if you were four or five. Okay. No, no, no. So you, you can imagine, you set up this whole tour that took you six months to book. You you you've paid to have a driver. You've you've already given your deposit for the rental equipment, the amplifiers and stuff when you get to England. And then when you get there, your guitarist is not let in. It's like, it was like, this is going to be the most expensive vacation I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we, don't, if we don't play any shows at all with no guitar, it's like, this is we're like the worst mistake ever. We came out here and we're not going to get to do any of the shows, any rebellion. So it was a nightmare. I and mean, we were like kind of really freaking out until I really thought, you know what, Ryan, would you do me a favor? And would you, he's like, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. I said, okay, let's get to your house. And he lived in, uh, uh, I guess the way he says it is Worcester, which okay. is, if, yeah. if we read it, we would think uh, uh, Worcester sauce. Yeah, Like an American exactly. would read it like Worcester, but ah. it's actually pronounced Worcester. Worcester, So yeah. it's, it's pronounced totally different when you live there. Uh, and I actually saw the factory where that sauce came from, which is <laughs> in, in, his, in his town there. So we drove by the, that. And that, that was kind of funny. Because, you know, I always see the sauce when I go to the grocery store here. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so anyways, you know, Ryan was such a good guitar player. I, I really, hands down, one of the fastest learners I've ever come across. He learned all 28 songs in one night of listening to headphones, didn't go to bed. Woke up in the morning, drove us to a rehearsal spot, and we drilled it for four hours straight. And then we played our first show in Wales that night. That's amazing. Oh. That's an amazing story. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so can I ask? So, what did the original guitarist get sent back for, or get the night entry? What was that about? Well, we all we all knew, you know, you know, when you get to the UK borders, they ask you the standard question. Yeah, and they do. want they want to know why are you here? Yep. <laughs> well, where, the, where the, are you the, staying? The, stuff the, like that. Yeah. Where are you staying? You know, it's all the general stuff. Yeah. But what happened was, we did take someone who was fairly young. 
someone we picked up out of Los Angeles. It was his first time uh, doing a tour with us. And he had learned all the songs in L.A. with us. Uh, but unfortunately, when he got to the questions part, he answered one question wrong out of, I don't know, I, I guess you say out of fear or something. He just said the wrong thing. He said the opposite. And the question he answered wrong that got him thrown into that room was they said, uh, who's picking you up? And the guy said, my, my our guitarist we had brought from L.A. said, my American friends. And, and that rose a red flag. Like, why would Americans really? be picking you up? Why would Americans be picking you up if you land in the UK? Because we were actually being picked up by Ryan, who was from the UK. So he, he completely said the opposite. I don't but know still, why. You think you could go back and say, oh, I'm sorry, I was mistaken. You know, you'd think that uh, wouldn't be a... Right away, they put him in the room. And, and so... Uh, Did yeah, he like? Was... was he like a heavily tattooed guy? Did he look weird? Did he look kind of scary or not too bad? He had long hair. He, he, you know, he looked a little different than us, but, uh, I think really when they kept him in the room, I, I don't know. It's, it's a long story, but basically he was sent back home. He, we didn't were have totally... any, he didn't have any like drug charges or anything from when he was a kid. Cause no, I know that's no, a no. big, big thing. No, but it, it was, it was, it was a really sad situation. We were su- super bummed out for him. Oh yeah. But, should, yeah. No and, kidding. And we that might have been his talk. only chance to do a UK tour. <laughs> and then we couldn't talk to him because when you're in that room, you can't talk to anyone else in the sure. room. So, uh, that would be I horrifying. Gotten, I had gotten in one text when he first went in the room. And it was before, I guess, I don't know if they take your cell phone away or what they do. So I got one text that said, I'm in a room and they're asking me questions. And I don't know when I'm going to be out of here. Uh, then after he got back to Los Angeles, as soon as he, um, landed, I, I called him, you know, and I said, Hey man, so what, what happened? He said, Oh, I said the wrong thing. I don't know what I was thinking. I said the wrong thing. I was in a room with a guy with a bat. (laughs) So they literally have like a bat in there and they're like, you know, drilling you with these questions. Almost like watching a, a, something on TV, but it's like real. They don't have guns, Neil. You know, you you primitive Britishers don't have your guns. You have to <laughs> well, these, these days these days they do. But I'm surprised he couldn't like get a hold of the American embassy or something because yeah, just, so, this just sounds like young bullshit. Guy, he yeah. was know. really young, really young guy, one of the youngest guys I think we ever recruited, and he was super excited. His parents were excited. You know, I had to talk to his folks, tell him what happened. They oh, they picked him up in L.A. It was crazy. a super devastating yeah. sadness. He's like, and I got back. Then, at- I got back to LA and got a cavity search and it was literally the best part of the trip. When he got, when he, when he called me and he was back in LA, he was so tired from that flight. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And then everything he went through on top of that. So he, the first thing he said, like, I, I'm sorry guys. Uh, You know, I know I was supposed to be, I said, you know what? A weird thing happened where our driver, the van is learning the songs right now. And, he's just going to help us out so we can still do the tour and but I it mean, was it was just devastating though you know the sad i was sad for him you know big time we we kept thinking is about he it. is he still uh, a member of your entourage or was that pretty much the beginning of the no entourage? that was pretty much it i mean we did try to i think do some other dates in la because he lived in the hollywood area and we we did try to recruit him i think once or twice after that but it just it just never really happened i mean i have other people in la who play most of the la dates so mm. uh, it would have to be like if two la guitarists called in sick and then i hit him up and then <laughs> gotcha. 
uh, I, I basically have a plan A, a plan B, plan C, plan D. If, if I have multiple guitar players, multiple drummers, multiple bass players, one guy calls in sick, next guy gets called, and it just works like that. Wow. Plan, plan F is actually to do a revival of your uh, Chicano hip-hop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just gets up on stage by himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stops exactly. rapping away. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's. Cool. Uh, we're, well, we're we're officially about an hour in. Let's play another. Uh, let's play another song. What song you want to play next, Jay? Uh, geez, we did. Let's see. We did the new single. Uh, this one's called "Without Faith." It's also on the first EP. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Let's do it. Without faith by uh, infirmities. Um, go, going back to that story a second, the only the only one I've heard like that is uh, one of my favorite psychobilly bands called the Necromantics. The, uh, oh, yeah. the the stand up bass player, you know, it's is is stand up bass in the shape of a coffin. Right. So I right. can't I can't remember where, where it was which country they were going into, but because you know the the stand up bass is in a is in a is in a case that's the shape of a coffin, so the customs people couldn't figure out why the hell the guy was coming in with a coffin, <laughs> and he and he, was, and he and he couldn't speak the language or something, so we was trying to explain to them what it was, and yeah, I think he was uh, he wasn't allowed in the country or something. But, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Psycho Billy Satan worshippers, Neil. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um. So you got something new. You got something new in the works. You got a split EP coming out. Why don't you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah. So the song you guys heard uh, earlier on the show, "Cell Block Earth," is actually going to be on a split seven inch with uh, MDC. So we're we're doing a split seven inch with the mighty MDC. So what, what's I, do you know who's putting that out? You know who's putting that out yet? Um. Right now, it's looked like it's going to be Grimple Records. Um, okay. But it, it might be a collaborate collaboration of Grimple Records with Malt Soda. Okay. I'd say MDC soda. has actually been they, their back catalogs actually reissued on Beer City, which is a label that I like quite a yeah. bit out of, out of Milwaukee. But so I mean, you do, you each going to do a couple of songs on a seven inch, or is that, is that the plan? Yeah. So so I think the plan for now is two songs from MDC and two songs from us. Of course, yeah. of course like you could do like you could do four or five. You could do four or five songs. We in the could time easily you... fit four on one side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that that might change. I'm trying to. Me and Dave are talking about possibly doing more than two. Maybe they'll do four and we'll do four. So then you get eight songs. Sure. Uh, total. Yeah. Fill those things up, man. They're only good. You only get like you know six and a half minutes <laughs> up on each side anyway. Might as well. Um, so, have you guys played quite a bit with MDC? 
Yeah, we have a good, really strong history with MUC, and it goes back to about 2017 when we did our first show with them uh, in Orange County uh, area at the Carmen Bar. That's where we first met. Uh, and then we did some big punk rock festival in downtown LA with NBC. That then followed into uh, being asked to do a tour with them. And that our first tour with NBC where it was in Northern California. And we got to do, uh, I think it was, I don't know, like my like three or four dates or something like that. We did, uh, we basically did all the East Bay area. Um, and, and we became really close on the road more. I think we, we bonded a lot more on the tour, the touring part. And then we ended up uh, seeing them at Rebellion in England. And then we just, you know, it's like anything else. When you when you hang around certain bands long enough, you become like, it's, it's like a family, you know. <laughs> and so MDC became like a punk rock family uh, members uh, to us. And, and then they hit us up to play whenever they would come to los angeles they would always include us on like at least two dates on one of their mdc tours so we ended up playing at the viper room with doa and mdc and that was a lot of fun so so we've always kept a great relationship with those guys uh, you know we love them they love us and so in the time of 2020 they're writing a lot of new material that was relevant and I happened to send our song Cell Block Earth to, to Dave Dichter. And Dave said, man, let's do a split. Let's do a split because what you guys are writing about, it's like what we're writing about, and we should just do a split. So. Well, we were, I was actually supposed to see MDC this year, last year. Yeah, they were, they were doing a tour with GBH. Correct. And the, whole, the whole thing got canceled. I was going to go see it in uh, Detroit. But nevertheless, didn't one more thing that got ruined by the year. So. Yeah. So the thing, the thing with the, that I find sort of fascinating about this, um, I, I I know MDC obviously a lot better than you guys. I mean, I love the Millions of Dead Cops album. I've listened to it a, a billion times. But Neil and I have always talked about how the modern punk scene is what I would call very close-minded. In that, if you're a punk rocker in 2021, you're supposed to believe X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it it tends to be a very liberal, very sort of the philosophy of it. And the truth of the matter is. MDC is a very liberally liberal politically. I I probably I'm assuming very atheistic. Uh, Dave is I thought Dave was gay. And the truth of the matter is, you guys are you guys have a fairly overtly Christian message. Or actually, yeah. I, 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 I don't even know if it's overt. I wouldn't say it's overt, but obviously, you guys have a much different message. I I think some of those later MDC albums are almost like hopeless. It's just strange to me. So it's weird that you guys would have that kind of friendship, but also it's really cool, honestly. Yeah, I think that I think that a lot of people, when they when they see the split come out, that what you're talking about will be a you know something that people do talk about as far as what you're saying. Um, but I also going back to the fact of of being like a family and and you know sometimes especially. I mean, I'm sure we have close family members that we don't we don't agree on certain sure, things. <laughs> sure. No, I think it's healthy. Uh, I think that's a very very healthy thing, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it is very old school. I have to say, Dave is the kind of guy that everywhere that we played together when we were on tour together, you know, um, obviously MDC gets paid more than we do on that tour. Sure. You know, we get all the dates together, and he would come outside. He'd be, how much did they give you? And I'd be, oh, they gave us this much. You know, for 
gas or whatever. He's all, oh, hold on. Well, they just paid us. So here, here's some more. You know, he was the kind of guy wow, that I, cool. didn't, I didn't see lead. I'm, I, and this is not to stereotype any major headliners or nothing like that. But Dave would always make a point that right after NBC got paid, he would come give me extra money for the road or, wow. or food or whatever. And and to, to, to meet somebody that was that old school where he took care of the people around him. Um and and the fact that you know we sure we would backline for them you know they could use our amps or drums if they sure. like whatever, I mean that's just what happens on tours you know. Um, we also have the same booking agency, so we both are oh, okay. booking. So there's also that connection. We both have the same agent. So so land land and manages NBC as well. I'm so, sure there's I'm sure there's a lot of things you don't see eye to eye about. Do you just not really talk about them, or do you guys have real I don't frank? Think, to be honest, I don't even think we've ever gone there with all that. No, um, okay, that was kind of my I, that was kind of my question, yeah, I guess. Just to be honest, I I do feel that his love for us uh, as people, as as human beings, is strong. You know, he loves our bass player Shadow and him get along great. Shadow I, can get up there and help sing an MGC track for fun live. You know. I think when you have a strong bond and a friendship, that stuff doesn't come up very much. And the fact that we're writing songs for this split that are more focused on not not necessarily that, but more focused on uh, how how relevant they are to the times of what we're going through currently, sure. Sure. Uh, even though our take might be different, it's still relevant to 2020 times. And so... This is, I think it's what really drew him in to do the split. Because he's like, wow, I'm so excited. You guys are writing songs about this. So are we. So you know what? Let's just, let's do it. You actually, I'm, I'm actually sort so, of pleasantly surprised about Dave's kind of attitude then. Because a lot of people who I think have believe a lot of the same things he do, he believes in are just so, oh, I won't, you know, deal with anyone who doesn't believe exactly what I believe. And I don't think that's, you know, like I said, I actually think I give Dave credit for that. Yeah, for sure. I think it's no, I think cool. that's really Cause, healthy. Cause yeah. honestly, I, I've sort of, I don't know what to really think about Dave in modern times. Like I said, I love those. I really love the early MDC stuff, but I haven't really paid a lot of attention to the modern stuff. I'll certainly get this split when it comes out and be glad to hear yeah. that. So, um, so do, do, do you, do you, do you guys, do you guys class yourself as like a, as like a, as like a Christian band or is that just, it just happens to come out in the lyrics and stuff like that. Or is it, is it an overt thing? You know, do you... Um, well, let, let, I'll go, let me, let me talk about that a little bit. So my history with that is, um, going back to the way I was brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't come from a home that went to church at all. Uh, my parents did not. Yeah. I'm sure we prayed at the table when mom made meatloaf or whatever, you know, when she made sure. dinner, we would still, you know, say grace or whatever, and we would eat. But that was the only connection I really had with any of that. I, not that I didn't believe uh, in God as a child, because I did. You know, we did pray when we ate. We were thankful for what we had. But I didn't grow up in a very religious setting. I mean, I never went to church as a kid. My parents didn't go. I mean, no, I guess I assume, I assume Catholic, just because you're, you, you yeah, come from yeah. a Latino background. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Uh, and it's very common right sure catholic background with that um and so so yeah um i was baptized catholic as a kid but uh, my parents just didn't go to church and they weren't very uh religiously uh catholic or anything like that so i didn't even have any of those normal catholic things like catechisms or oh okay i had none of that (laughs) so 
so so just so you understand i was brought up on a total more uh american uh do it yourself you want something you work hard you go get it mentality and it wasn't based on anything spiritual or any kind of uh you know religious thing so i grew up in the punk scene that way i mean i was your your typical drunk punk kid who went to to went to went to perform with my punk bands you know from 15 to like my early 20s and uh you know just like everybody else i was the same saying sure. about you know anti this anti that you know i use my emotions and my feelings to uh you know channel some of the lyrics and all that um but what i will say talk about that is that you know everybody reaches this point where sorry one sec here everyone should move in my car you're like setting your like setting your airbag off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason told us before we started that his car he was just chilling in his car. I'm like, hey man, whatever works yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll park now. Okay, we're good. So so basically <laughs> everybody reaches that point where you know you wake up you wake up somewhere and you don't know where you are. And if you if you're young enough to where you were part of a punk rock scene or you were part of some kind of thing where you know the drinking gets excessive or whatever and or the party whatever you're doing and you start to get into this this point of life where you know you you realize this is not good (laughs) this is not healthy this is not whatever well what what helped me realize this very strongly is i had been married for uh only two years and uh my wife you know she knew all my background with music when we were dating and and engaged for the first two years and then we were married for two years but like 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 anything else you know uh that's a whole different discussion but a lot of times when people get married they're surprised because uh you know women generally do expect the man to change somewhat when once they're married uh and, yeah, I never and noticed he, that, Neil. You. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, exactly. That, I, that's I, a, I, that's its own hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll I'll just get to the point of that real quick because I've asked about I'd say like a good ninety percent of women they all give me the same answer and that that question is when you meet a guy and 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 do find him attractive want to be in whatever uh, do you automatically think you're going to change the guy and they all answer the same question yes we do it's automatic because we see you we think you're cute and we think we can fix you (laughs) yes you can ask i don't i don't care who's listening so if any women are offended by this uh interview neil great considering the recent recent uh against us So, and I, but, but they all give me the same answer. They said it, it's, it's a hundred percent true. We all think that because, you know, we like you and we figure we, we can sort of fix you and eventually, you know, you'll be perfect the way we want you to be. And, and, <laughs> and it's weird. We don't ever see it, right? The guys, we don't see it at all because we just are like, you know, she, she loves everything I do. She, she's, you know, yeah. So anyway, long story short, <laughs> So when when I first got married, I was only 23. My wife was 21. And uh, I was still jumping in the van with my band touring with Total Chaos and Lower Class Brats and my old street punk band, which was called uh, Los Vigilantes. We were from Salinas. So Vigilantes was my first 
street punk band from Salinas, and I, I was already friends with the same people I'm friends with now. And the only difference was the message and just the way I ran my life back then. And so, you know, when you jump in the van with the boys and, you know, everyone's passing around, you know, jugs of whiskey or whatever, I mean, that kind of lifestyle is maybe fun when you're, you know, you don't have responsibility, um, <laughs> you know, when you're younger. Uh, but the reality was once I got married, um, after about two years of that, my wife didn't really tell me she was she was planning to, you know, to end it. And I just came home and found a note on the table and basically saying, uh, you know, uh, I'd never ask you to change or, or I know your dream is to go to L.A. and do your thing. And, you know, but I'm leaving. And uh, I'm, I, she actually left the country. She left a note. She went to Mexico with her mom, left some money there for the rent and said, I might come back. I might not. So I'm going to Mexico. Uh, there's the keys of the car still here for you uh i've already on the airplane no discussion <laughs> so it was a real eye-opener for me because it was kind of like uh yeah i need to make some changes here if i if i want to stay married and 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 i knew i loved her i'd been with her a long time and um and so basically it wasn't just about stopping the the, the lifestyle of partying or being a punk rocker I just felt like I'd kind of hit a brick wall. It's kind of like you go all through life believing that, uh, you know, it should be a certain way. And being in the punk rock scene, a lot of your friends that you think are your close friends, uh, when, you're, when your life falls apart, they don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> so, and yeah. it's the realization that this world you live in, this fantasy world of, of some of these friends are not really your friends. And so when my wife left me, I realized who my real friends were. And I realized I didn't have very many. I realized most of my friends were people that were at shows. They were my family were at the show or at a party. But they weren't there when my life fell apart. And I became good friends with a guy named Kenneth Penn, who happened to be a, a street minister. So he came from years of, of, uh, of being on drugs, being a drug dealer, going to jail, uh, super thugged out, uh, African-American dude with, uh, with braids. If you saw him walking down the street, you'd be like, okay, who's this, this rapper walking towards me, you know, this hip hop guy, <laughs> you know, he looks like he's going to beat me up. He looks pretty thugged out, <laughs> but he's a street minister, meaning that he, his premise wasn't necessarily in churches, but he would go into the ghettos and, and stuff. That's like a that. tough gig, man. I hear I see those guys once in a while. That's a tough gig going out in the street and doing that. Yeah. So when he saw me with my mohawk and being the way that I was, you know, I didn't scare him one bit. And and he approached me at the time when my marriage was uh, my whole life. I, I hit rock bottom for the first time. I ended up getting evicted from the place that we lived because uh, I had spent the rent money on tattoos. Uh, I, I had, hey, at least uh, you still got those. The drugs would be long gone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, you you make a lot of dumb decisions, and and you end up you end up at rock bottom. And the car she left me, she took away, and her brothers <laughs> her her brothers came to pick up the car one night. You know, so I mean, lucky, the reality lucky they didn't, lucky they didn't throw yeah. you a beating while they were there, right? <laughs> you know, but the, the it really it really hit home when I ended up having to go back and live with my parents. 
You know, there's nothing worse for a son that when you knock on, on, on your parents' door, uh, they're like, why are you here? What happened? You know? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> and, that's bad, yeah. And that actually hits harder for the for for a man than for a woman. Cause, and, I, and I tell people this story, too, because when, when you're the daughter, no matter what happens, they're going to open that door lovingly and give you embrace, an embracing hug and sit you down and be there. When you're the son and you come home, it's a little more like, what happened? Why are you here? You're <laughs> like, like, yeah, you like, fail. It's, it's yeah. different for the boy. <laughs> yeah. Than it is yeah. And so, you know, it sucked being back in my room from high school. <laughs> yeah, no it did. Luckily, you still had your black flag posters up. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, because my room had become my little brother's room. And so ah. now we, we were sharing a room and it was really, it, it was now depressing. It was like, wow, I'm, I'm facing the fact that I've, I fully went like, you know, as a 360, like I, it was horrible. And at the time, Ken became my best friend. He was the only guy I could, I really had communication with when my life fell apart. We did one last show with Total Chaos and Los Vigilantes, Lower Class Brats, and it was at The Pound in San Francisco. And after that, my band members ended up quitting on me and saying, you know what? They didn't quit. They basically said, hey, you know what? Go figure out your life. Go, go fix your marriage and give us a call when, you're, when things are better. Well, I'm like, guys, don't do this to me. Like, I need the band. I need music. And they said, sorry, man. You know, you, you need to go fix stuff. And, and so that sucked. So then I lost my wife and I lost my band. It's like everything I ever knew was gone. And it was just the worst time for me. I was about 20, 25 when this happened. So um, at that point, uh, the street minister friend of mine, Kenneth, uh, which I just call Ken, you know, or now I call him Papa Ken because he became like my spiritual father. He ended up being the guy who, who would actually sit with me and, and uh, read me the word, read me the Bible, but in a way that I could understand. You know, a lot of people read it and I'm like, I don't get it. It's confusing. Throw the book back on the ground. He right. actually would go through things and say, and I go, I don't understand that scripture. And he'd explain it to me in a street way. So, well, that's what these two dudes came over here and this is what happened. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. So, like, mm -hmm. he, he would take the time. He moved in with me. I had a small, I ended up leaving my parents' place, going back to finish school to do graphic design for a living. And we shared, like, a little tiny little studio dorm type looking thing. Uh, it wasn't a dorm, but it was like a really small, it was close to the college. And we would read the Bible three times a day, morning, afternoon, and night. He would go through it with me. And it, it, it sounds, I know it sounds trippy. We were like going like, what? That's like a lot of Bible. <laughs> it started to sink in. It didn't sink in right away. It wasn't a natural thing for me. I had never read the Bible. I had never been to church. I had never grown up with any of it. So... Um, and it's not really about that. I just started to find a connection to where I realized that having faith and something to believe in was really helping me as a person and helping me become a better person. And so you started putting some of that stuff in the lyrics and stuff. I mean, what was it? Was the band together at this point or not? No, not at all. No, okay. that band ended up never got back together and everything that vigilante stood for or everything we were singing about was no longer my life anymore and i and i knew at that point you know if i'm gonna keep doing punk rock i didn't i didn't even see myself going back to punk rock at that time in my life yeah. i had a good i had two years where uh I, I felt like 
going back to punk rock was like opening a vault that I shouldn't open. Like, like all the big, bad, like, like all the bad like, stuff. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, like a big metal steel door. <laughs> like, do not go there. You know, I, I'd put all my punk rock clothes in a box and in my mom's garage. You know, like I don't need to go there anymore. It's like I've I've already reached rock bottom, and I'm not going back. And I and I was pretty determined not to. But then, I what happened was uh, after I became born again, and my life started. My wife gave me a second chance. She let us start dating again only on the weekends. And she noticed a difference in me. She's like, your attitude's different. You know, you, you're you caring in a different kind of way. And I can't explain it. But I can tell that you, you're actually doing And after a year of being separated, we never divorced. She gave me a second mm-hmm. chance. We moved back in together. So we, we don't ever call that, you know, it's still part of our marriage. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, never, we never divorced something like that. Um, <laughs> And so basically, long story short, I didn't, when we moved back in together, I still didn't see myself going back to bands or punk rock. But I ended up feeling the calling when I went to a, a concert. It was a, uh, something called Spirit West Coast. And they do it out here. They used to do it every summer. And I went just curious if there was any Christian punk bands. Well, there wasn't any, but there was a, a guy from the UK who was singing in a band called Delirious. And he, 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 he looked like Billy Idol up there, but he sang like a girl. So, <laughs> so Great combination. He, he had this super, super high voice, like really high, like one of those really high voices where you question on the radio, is this a guy or a girl? Ah, he has yes. that kind of a voice. Do I, have and, the, do I have the turntable going too fast? Is this supposed to be a 33 and I got yeah, a 45? Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but, you know, basically he went up there saying, you know, we need people to go out there and, and, and do something different for the Lord. We need people to stand up for him. And we need people to be themselves, but be different. And and we, and we and I don't know, it just spoke to me. He said, we need warriors out there. And, and I, I ran into some Christian punks at that event. But I'd never seen Christian punks in my life. And there were these guys walking around with a backpack. Instead of saying, uh, punk's not dead, it said, God's not dead. And it was the mm. same writing, like crass writing. It said, God's not gotcha. dead. And I started hanging out. I, I went to hang out. Hey, guys, can I talk to you? Yeah, what's up, man? I said, oh, I used to be in punk bands. And I'm just curious, man. Is there any Christian punk bands or is that just not a thing? And they said, well, there used to be. Like in the 90s, you kind of missed it. They all broke up. There, there used to be some. Yeah, I never knew about it because I wasn't looking for it. They were telling me about bands like Officer Negative and Head Noise and all this kind of an era of JCHC, which is called Jesus Christ Hardcore. And I said, well. <laughs> I never, it's funny. I've never heard any of those. But I'll take yeah, yeah. No, you never hear of any of that when you're not looking for it. You know what I sure, mean? and, and they probably the time, had their own little insular scene. I imagine you know it's kind of its own little thing. Yeah. So basically, it it wouldn't have helped me at all because at the time when my yeah. life, yeah, it was already over. Um, and but these 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 punk rock kids told me, you know, it'd be awesome is if you went back and formed a band and did. I said, nah, guys, now I'm done with all that. It's like I did it for years, like 14, 15 years of my life. I did punk rock and, and, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm going back and say, oh, it's too bad. You know, I, I could, you know, I could see where you would be useful, you know? And I was pretty determined not to do anything, come back until that day when I heard the message and, you know, and, and I, I felt like at that moment when the singer said that and running into those kids that day, it really spoke to me. And that was really where I, I first felt like, 
I heard the voice of God that day is mm. because I knew this was not my normal reaction to go back to punk rock because I, I didn't want nothing to do with that. I was done. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I knew that I needed to go back to the streets where I came from. And I needed to, if I was going to go back, it wasn't going to be about me. It was going to be more about him and about telling people about, you know, about what, you know, about what worked for me. I mean, so, so, there that's, was, so that's when you there formed... There other punk rockers that probably went through the same kind of stuff, you know? So that's when, sure. you, formed, that's when you formed Infirmities, was right then. Well, at that point, I formed another band that was called the King's Kids first. The King's Kids was actually more of a 77 Ramones, Rancid Speed, mm. uh, melodic anthem type band. And we went on and did that for a good uh, seven years or something like that. And we released two full-length albums in that band. And we did tour and we did play with like, uh, let's see, we played with uh, Street Dogs, we played with Swinging Utters. So we were already crossing paths with what you would call, I guess, if you want to really separate it or segregate it, you would call that secular punk rock and, and regular. Sure. We were sure. never about performing at, at inside you know churches or church functions or you know we wanted to be out there with all the other punk bands and we and we were so i already had that mindset of like there's no reason why we should be separated you know if i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go play with all the same punk rock bands we were playing with total chaos already you know when when total chaos heard the news from me personally that i had made that kind of a life change you know, of course, they joked around with me at first because they knew me from the van and they knew me from the partying days. And, mm-hmm. Sure. But then, but then the other side of them was like, you know, even though we don't believe in that stuff, if it's helping you be a better person, man, it's cool, bro. Oh, that's you know? cool. That's perfect. And, yeah. they, and they were like, I, I don't care what your band sings about. Like, you guys want to open for us in L.A.? Cool. We'll put you on the gig. And that's a lot of what helped Infirmities out is that this is a very real factor. And it's not based on all of that it's based on just like you know what we're all relationships yep. yeah so let's so. let's let's play another song that was a long that was what we call a long long segment but i actually have a couple of follow-up questions so let's let's uh play another song did we run out of songs officially because you're we gonna did. have to pick some more out jason yeah we did pick, so. a, pick a couple more out we'll do another one now um let's see we could do um hmm all right all right let's see this one's called book of revelation Good. This is from the EP also? Yeah, from the same EP. Okay. Faith and the Fury. So this is Infirmities, Book of Revelation. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. I'm 
book of revelation there um so so when you um do you expect all of your BAM, BAM members to necessarily share your belief or is that not necessarily essential as long as they're as long as you're all cool with each other i believe that in terms of that um you know the lyrics in the song what the songs are about sure um speaks more volumes than if every single member is shares the same belief so in terms sure. of like i believe in 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 putting you in this band right where you're at right where you are and gotcha. not and i don't i never would try to uh necessarily try to convert any band members or uh that also goes for friends people in the punk scene people at our shows sure. i'm not the kind of guy to get preachy with anybody or in between songs or anything like that See, that was um, i was gonna say you're doing 28 songs in 30 minutes you're definitely not preaching from the stage yeah <laughs> so yeah there's no time to, to talk in between but i assume that you're like yeah. you know i assume that the the mission would be that if somebody wants to talk to you, you have to say hey i noticed your lyrics are this and, and then yeah you, like one-on-one well, i'll talk to somebody that's the next point i would get to now if you're the kid in the backyard who says you know i don't get it bro because i would get that in east la we'll play in east la compton south central watts we were in all kinds of backyards we started in the backyards because i always sure. believe that if you want to be a punk rock band in a, in a new area, especially a place like Los Angeles, you've got to start at the bottom. You can't you can't go directly into clubs and expect people to go watch you. I mean, sure. you got to build up your street cred first, you know. And so we we did that. We started everything we did was from the streets from the beginning. You know, Selena Street Punk. You know, band from Salinas in East LA, or you know, all the flyers would say from Salinas, and people would actually. That would catch some attention just because we weren't from L.A. And, um, you know, kids didn't really care what we sang about because we were so fast and the adrenaline was so much there that they would be in the pit the entire time. Some kids wouldn't even realize it until they already bought the record and they get home. Well, I kind of figured that because if you're just listening to it, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily notice. It's more looking at the artwork and the names of the songs. And the names of the songs. It it was funny because I actually wasn't going to tell Neil that aspect of it. But he figured it out. He's like, hey, is this some kind of a religious thing? And I'm like, oh, dude, I was going to kind of surprise you with it. Because we always <laughs> yeah, talk yeah. about, we always talk about the fact of it is we're older guys, older school guys, and we came from a scene that was much more open-minded than the scene is now. Correct. You know, it was all different kinds of people that believed all kinds of different things. And I, I, I wonder, do a lot of the younger, the younger punks are so lockstep, I think, in what they believe and what, and all that other stuff. Do you, you guys, you get a hard time? You ever get pushback? I mean, you ever get people kind of giving um, you a hard time? Honestly, oh, you're a bigot. Because, you know, Christianity often, unfairly, is associated with bigotry and a lot of other things that are really not Christian values, but they probably ran across somebody in their life who was a Christian who treated them poorly in that regard. So you get a lot of that or not too much? You know, you know not not very much at all, but I'll tell you why. One of the things about infirmities is that, you know, first of all, behind the scenes, um, you know, we're, we're not like the kind of band that has a bunch of egos or comes up on the scene like we're this or we're that. You know, we're the kind of band that'll help you out. You know what I mean? I mean, just because, you know, you might show up there and be like, hey, man, can we use your amp and we'll help you out? You know what I mean? We're not, we're, we're, we also, I look at it that way. Like, um, people are kind of like, man, those dudes are cool. You know what I mean? We did not, 
we didn't they didn't come up with any kind of attitude or any kind of sure. whatever people. you know sure and so that automatically with all the punk rock bands we've shared the stage with i think that kind of went across the board in a place like los angeles or any big city where you know we were pretty mellow for them as far as the way that we came in the other thing is that uh People didn't necessarily judge us for that because uh, I'm just like you guys. I came from the old school where we used to have punk rock shows when I was 15, 16, 17, where it was a mixture of like punk ska bands, uh, thrash metal bands, punk rock, street punk. We were all in the same show, same venue. And, and then as years went on, and as you guys know, the scenes became more separated. You know, you had your straight metal show straight whatever show and things became a little more segregated as far as uh, the genres go but as far as people i also came from the time when you could have a different opinion than me and we yeah. could still hang out together can you imagine so that I, people people of different <laughs> opinions being friends isn't that amazing <laughs> yeah. so I, I i'm old enough to remember the the days of that and i think most of the most of the legendary punk rock bands that we all know today also came from that era of time of yeah. like of that same thing where if we could believe something different i might not agree with everything that 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 you know uh say joey from doa agrees or dave sure. from mbc or sure. or the dk or any of these bands we might all, all agree on certain things but we can sit in the same room and laugh about it or disagree and we're still mm. cool nobody's gonna like you know what i mean and and that's the thing that i think nowadays is missing I agree. People are, are yep. People are caught up in a sort of a cancel. It's a cancel culture. Like wow, Neil, saying. this is the timing of this is almost perfect, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, because we got some complaints about some. Yeah, we've had week. some cancel. We have some people kind of going after us because we don't believe X, Y, and Z the same as everybody else necessarily. But yeah. anyway, I, I, I'll, I'll go back on that note and say one more thing. Infirmities sure. is not necessarily. Uh, we don't ha seem to have any issues or problems or somehow we're not necessarily labeled uh, as just being like a Christian band or a Christian punk sure, band. Sure. Well, People you, just, you, don't we, play, you don't play any, you only play pretty much secular shows. We do. And we only, we, we consider ourselves just to be a punk rock band like everybody else because sure, we are. Sure, sure. Um, I believe that being a punk rocker and being in a punk band it, it what that means is that you're punk rock given right to go up there and sing about whatever you want to sing about. That's punk rock. I, yeah, I that that's missing it. from the. I'm afraid that's missing from the new scene. Yeah, I, I really, and, I really. Yeah. And and the other thing is, infirmities was created because I came from street punk and I wanted to give you. Uh, this is basically we believe in this band and the main calling of the band is it's like a bridge. And when I say a bridge, I wanted Infirmities to be a, a punk rock band that bridged the gap between people that are for God or against God. Because we're all the same people. We're in the circle pit together. We're all the same people in terms of music. And so I always saw Infirmities as more of a, a, a gateway between both. And, and so that's one of the things is you'll never see me go up there and, and try to you know, tear down anybody or judge anybody because, you know, I was the same kid that's out there running around doing his thing. You know, when I run into that kid at the merch table, 
And and he's like, I don't get it, though. How could you be like a Christian punk? I say, well, it's real simple because I'm you. I was you, dude. I, I was exactly just like you. I mean, I was in the backyard drinking, doing my thing. So if you look at me that way, you say, well, I'm just you. It's just I found something else to believe in and I'm singing about it and that's it. It's not a... Uh, there's not much more to it than that. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do feel like that everything out there in today's world is, is, is basically out there to distract us from our spirituality. If anyone has anything they believe in that's more of a spiritual thing. Uh, but I also believe that love is the only thing that's going to save us, not hate. There's a lot of hate and we deal with that, uh, you know, uh, 24 hours a day. There's enough hatred on the news and, and, and in people that that's never going to necessarily help us or get us anywhere. Um, I always feel like uh, for years, punk rock's been angry against the grain, but a form of expression. And punk rock will always be a people music. So when I say that, like I said, it's about singing about what you believe in. And, uh, you know, where where. Where your treasure is, where your heart will also be. Your values are identified by what you value. And so Infirmities brand of street punk is about, you know, love and unity. And it's all about being one together in the circle pit, having a mutual respect for each other, regardless of where you're from, culture, race or religion. And we sing about the power of the Holy Trinity and how things have been through our lives. We rock for light, PMA. We're all about that, having a positive mental attitude. And a lot of that carried on from touring with HR from Bad Brains. Hmm, and, uh, excellent. So, Another guy who's yeah. been a victim of cancel culture. Yeah. Uh, so let's. So I'll tell you what. We are going super long today, as we often do, right, Neil? We're pushing towards the two-hour mark. Yeah, we are. It's going to be it's going to be close so, to, yeah. And and yeah. that's fine. We, we we always we love to go along actually because you know man you got an interesting story to tell. We want to yeah, hear. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting actually. Yeah, thanks for so, telling that. By the way, thank you for thank you for that. So cool. let's so let's so let's do well. No, let's I, actually I'm mostly out of questions, Neil. But we wanted to ask him about the punk rock princess, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So you yeah yeah. I'm sorry. So, this is totally changing gears, dude. Yeah, We're radically completely, changing completely gears changing here. Right. Princess. No but, but in at Rebellion, I saw that you got interviewed by uh, by the scene queen Erin Micklow. How was that? How was she? Was she was she cool or was she uh, was it weird? Um, I actually I had met Erin back in the back in the East Bay area, okay. and she had she had came to Crash Fest. And we performed at Crash Fest uh, the year before she interviewed us uh, at Rebellion. So I had actually met her, uh, seeing her interview some bands in my neck of the woods in California. And so around that time, um, she was getting a mixture of, of bad rap, yeah. bad rap, whatever you want to call it. You know, most bands were like, yeah, it's fine. I'll do an interview. And then you'd have people in the punk rock scene who are like, you know, I'm against that chick. You know, she's well, a poser why, or whatever. Why? Because she's attractive? Or what was the what was the <laughs> negative what was the negative take on her? I, I don't I guess I'm out of that scene. What was that? I think, what that... I think I think upon females, you know, females. 
females can get pretty ugly with each other in general. And it's also oh, other women around. that turn. On it. Well, oh, I, great. I think. Well, I think a lot of people because she's a model as well. And I think a lot of people thought that she was just using the punk rock thing as an angle in her modeling career. I think that was some of it too. Yeah. And and that and, and that's exactly what was happening. And so what happened was uh, during Crash Festival, uh, her her boyfriend at the time, not actually her husband, I believe at the time uh they're no longer married but she was at the time when crashes was happening and and he went to go i don't know she had to walk somewhere to her car or something like this and she asked me if i'd walk her to her car because we're in the middle of oakland (laughs) and so i just walked to their car because it was a couple blocks up and that's where her where her husband was at and during that walk we talked a bit and she was telling me how, you know, there were some people on the scene that didn't like her and how she was dealing with this or that. And I said, well, you know, that that comes with the territory, comes with the turf. I mean, there's people that probably don't like me or don't like our band and just got to go with it. You know, and she's like, yeah, I don't care. She's like, I don't care. I'm still going to do what I do. And I said, well, that's that's the right attitude to have. You know, we sort of I would say we became close friends or anything like that. But that little walk bonded a little bit, kind of bonded a little bit. I think we had something there. And then when we ended up in England she had already uh we had already set up the interview with her so once we came into rebellion that first day she she did an interview for us mm. so so yeah i would say for us it, the interview went well um if you if you watch that interview you'll see me tell the story about infirmities army and how you know i have all these different members and you'll see my daughter in the interview oh, who cool. was age, mm. age six she's actually standing on a chair because she's six and uh, so they ask her a little bit of questions. You know, it was my daughter's first big interview. I guess, you know? So it's do, you, cool. you do a lot. You do a fair. You do a fair amount of interviews. I would say for a for a band, at, especially a band that's not super well known. You do quite a few interviews. Do do most people ask you about the Christian stuff, or do they just kind of gloss over it or not notice it? Or I, I, most I didn't, people, most I didn't, people don't. Okay. Most people don't. But usually they'll notice that it's. You know, it's a very PMA, a very positive sure. Punk rock band. Sure. And so, yeah. even if they don't brush on the on that, they'll 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 end up mentioning that part. Say, do you notice you're about PMA? You're about love and unity, and sure. and you know you want to talk about that. You know, my our whole thing really is you know it's about being humble, practicing humility, compassion, empathy. Sure. patience guidance and support for humanity in general and we show up on the scene you know we respect you wherever you are wherever you're at in life you know what i mean and sure. we're not going to judge you or change you or anything like that you know just because that is what we believe but we also believe in meeting you right where you're at good sure. message good message yeah all right so let's we get let's let's do we i think unless neil i say neil if you got one no. if you got a burning question or two yep. i say otherwise let's probably wrap this sucker up and yep. let's do let's do one more song on the way out yeah what do you want jay hmm. your choice you could even do one of your old bands if you wanted to it's up to you yeah say whatever you want as long as you got either have an mp3 or <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah you know what um Let's see. We'll we'll do another song. This one's called King of the Streets. And what it's about is uh, basically the idea, concept for the song is that uh, we're all from different streets, different neighborhoods. You know, where you're from, the streets of Oakland, streets of Compton, L.A., streets of Salinas, no matter where you're from, there's always a king 
of the streets. And so that's why it's called King of the Streets and goes with something like this. The last one uh, today from uh, yeah infirmities infirmities yeah sorry so, like that so for a second th- thanks for, thanks for coming on man we appreciate it um it's uh like it, it, it's uh it, it's like it's an interesting story and Neil and I really do try to get things from a bunch of different perspectives and yeah uh, yeah man it's always good to keep an open mind on everything exactly right? it's, it's 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 amazing yeah so yeah uh, I I think my I think we're we are unique in that sense there's there hasn't been that many punk bands that have if you go back in time and you think of it like the early 80s scene of 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 hardcore you'll you'll be reminded of there was only really two that stick out the most and that would be bad brain and minor threat who had a message that was different you know, yeah. I mean, Minor Threat coming out with the straight edge thing and then Bad Brain singing about God's love and, and stuff, but still having an, a strong, immense effect on people. Well, the, the, funny thing, the funny thing is like Minor Threat, though, were really a very anti-religion band. Right. I mean, message wise, they had a positive message. Yeah, PMA, yeah. but yeah, yeah, they, they went. But yeah, it was mostly like the drug, the drug free yeah. thing. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. no, it's it's listen, this, like I said, it's a big it should be a big tent. Punk rock should be a big tent. Yeah. Yeah, it should be yeah. all it should be all colors, not just black and gray, which is what it appears at the moment. You know exactly. Yeah, yeah, so. it it is heading that way, and we are very excited about this MDC thing because, you know, we're gonna reach a whole new audience with that, and um, sure. and hopefully, hopefully the question you guys said comes up more because I think people need to really learn to open up and accept everybody, not just be so like you know you're on the left or you're on the right or you're about this well i'm not your friend i mean it's it's getting to that point it where is. yeah you're exactly that's right. right i'm sure i'm sure we'll get i'm sure we'll get angry letters for having you on anyway no so. i don't yeah, think yeah. so i don't <laughs> think so actually our yeah. our audience is i definitely more of an old an old school audience doesn't yeah. really care about the current state of things so yeah but yeah. anyway all right Th- thanks so much, man. Good luck to you guys. And uh, if I got to tell you, if uh, punk rock bowling ends up happening, if you end up doing it, and I end up getting there, we'll have to have to, uh, you know, get together. Yeah, face to face. yeah, for sure. I'll let. Yeah, that'd be great. Take a picture with you guys and hang out a little bit. All yeah, um, exactly. Once w- once we get the confirmation, um, we wrote to Mark Stern already, and uh, we're just waiting to hear back with confirmation because I think what they're doing this year is they're not necessarily having club shows. They can only have one. They can't have anything indoors. It's so got to be outside, yeah. That it's got to be outside. So they have one big main stage with big headliners. Uh, but I don't know if they're going to have more than one outdoor stage. It, 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 it's all about the way that they're gearing this is different approach because of the whole sure. corona and stuff. Uh, 
they didn't book it on a holiday on purpose, so they don't get as many people. Ah, uh, it's really well, backwards. Well, it maybe <laughs> maybe they could still do the pool parties at least. You can do one of those yeah. pool parties. Those always look like a blast. I've never been, but I, like I said, I hope to get over there this year. Yeah, so we're we're hoping for the best, but in the meantime, I mean, it's not it's not the only thing we got going on. You know, we're just we're trying to focus on recording. Um, we do have a couple shows. We have one at the Doll Hut, which is going to be in Anaheim, and it's going to be on an outdoor stage. You know, people are masked up. It's social distance, all that stuff. But Still it is a live show. So Still the music starts. <laughs> they start bashing yeah. into each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. But anyway, all right, cool, man. Well, best of luck to you, and uh, yeah, we'll see you. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you all later on. Yeah. Neil, do your, do your thing. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on, uh, Jayhawk. I really appreciate it. And, uh, no yeah, stay free. Keep thanks a little for, mark in your heart, everybody. Thanks for having me, guys. No, you bet, you're man. welcome, man. Thank you so much. All, all right. right. Smell you later. Yep, bye-bye. Talk. All right.